and uh, saints. Hope you all are doing well today. If you uh, have your Bible, please open it to Matthew chapter 5. We will be looking at verses 38 through 42. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. So here's God's word to his wonderful sons and daughters. This is Christ speaking. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone will sue you for your tunic, let him take your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who will borrow from you. This is God's holy, perfect, inerrant word. Please pray with him for me. Holy Spirit, we uh, thank you that you are forever with us as our counselor, as our helper. Thank you that you live inside of us supernaturally for those of us who know Christ in faith and that you are not asleep. You don't take breaks. You don't have to rest. You are still at work doing the same things that you've been doing since Pentecost, since the creation. You are moving, changing. And so I pray that you will use this preaching this sermon to encourage the people of Christ that you will speak to our minds as well as to our hearts that we will let the word undo us we will let the word encourage us we will let the word rebuke us in places that it need to be that we all come as people with issues and broken places and so Holy Spirit you see us so I pray that you give and let everyone here receive what they need to receive from this passage today. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves, says one Chinese philosopher. Before you embark on a journey of revenge, you dig two graves. See, a journey of revenge, it inflicts the, the life of the person seeking it with more pain, more hurt, more misery. People may get even. You may get payback, but not without suffering damage themselves. You see, all human beings, regardless of age, race, nation, nationality, we, we, we are tempted at some point in our life to seek revenge in order to make right a certain wrong. At some point, some people, some of those people were asked to take the journey of revenge. That includes some of y'all, from the youngest to the oldest. Well, that's not true for me, Pastor. I'm a born again, I'm a born again Christian, covered in the blood of my Savior, Jesus. And I'll never seek revenge. I'll never do such a thing. Here's the thing, TVC Saints, it's always easy to stand on the mountain of your own morality when you speak in hypothetical terms. 
Because when someone wrongs you in a certain way, when someone betrays you in a certain way, when someone cheats you in a certain way, when someone hurts and abuses you in a certain way, when someone breaks your heart, when someone ruins your life and your name, you will want to get even. And if you say you don't, then you're not really being honest with yourself. You will want to retaliate. You will desire vengeance. And some of you will embark on a, embark on a journey of revenge. And don't forget your shovel because you need to dig two graves. Look back over your week. Look back over the past few months. And, and, and answer these questions for me honestly. Who have you wronged, intentionally or unintentionally? Who hurt you this past week? Whose face comes to mind when you think about getting even? Who is it for you? Who has double-crossed you? What person did you want to pay back? And are you currently planning to embark on a journey of revenge? This ain't just for the adults. It's for kids, too. Because kids, you do this, too. You want to get even. You do. We all do. TVC Saints, we all will struggle I believe this. Even your pastor, we always struggle with a desire for revenge and retaliation and vengeance. But we don't have to act on those desires. You don't have to act on them. Jesus doesn't want us to act on them. So we have to be honest with our own heart. Because when we look at movies like Batman, there's a reason why we like those movies. But we can see ourselves doing that. And one of the quotes from the Dark Knight, you know, Harvey Dent was talking with, um, with Bruce Wayne. And he says, you either die the hero or live, yourself, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that is true for all of us. We're, we're, we're just one issue away from becoming what we really hate. One suffering away, one great loss away from becoming what we hate in other people. So if you haven't done the worst, it's all because of God's grace, not yours. Those things, revenge, retaliation, and vengeance, they, they are not part of the way of wholeness. They're, they're not a way to love God and your neighbor as yourself. And, and honestly, they don't lead to a flourishing life. You may get even, but you won't flourish. You won't flourish the way that Christ wants you to flourish. In Matthew 5, in this passage, in verses 38 to 42, Jesus shows us that the way of wholeness, it includes a resistance to revenge, retaliation, and vengeance. But do you believe it? It's easy to believe it when you haven't been done wrong. But when you're done wrong, would you believe it? So the application for this sermon comes later on in life. When someone does you dirty. Would you believe it then? In 1754 B.C., the Babylonian king Hammurabi implemented a law called known as the Code of Hammurabi. It's a collection of 286 laws that were carved into a massive finger-shaped black stone pillar. It's one of the earliest forms of law in the ancient Near East. It predates even the Hebrew Bible. That's pretty old. And one scholar suggests that the code can be divided into three sections. Procedural law, property law, 
and law of persons. The Humber Robbie Code is it's one of the first law, code law, laws, or laws that put into practice what is known as the Lex Telionis. Lex Telionis. Do you know what that Latin phrase means? It's the law of retaliation, an eye for an eye. According to dictionary.com, the phrase means punishment inflicted to correspond in degree and kind to the offense of the wrongdoer. In layman terms, the punishment should fit the crime. The punishment should fit the crime. You see, the intent of the Lacellionis is to place limits and restrictions on what a wrong person could do in retaliation. It tries to hinder people from taking the law into their own hands. Now, that sounds good carved in stone. and It sounds good in theory. It sounds equal and just. But the role of application, eh, it can be bumpy. But what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, the Lex Telionis in the Code of Hammurabi, it was adjustable. One scholar says these laws were, were scale judgments, adjusting an eye for an eye, depending on social status and gender. So what, Pastor, you may ask? So what? Why are you even talking about a law code that's not even in existence anymore? What does it have to do with the past as before? It's a good question, saints. History is important. It allows us to look back at God's providence and the common grace that he gives to all mankind. And it's important to know that the Mosaic law was created 300 years later. After the call of Hammurabi, 300 years later, it means some of the laws in the Mosaic law aren't unique to Israel. They were common laws throughout the ancient Near East. And some of the Mosaic laws are even similar to the ones in the Hammurabi code. But similarities doesn't mean copycat. You see, what elevates the Mosaic law is divine inspiration and special revelation. It's not man-made. It's not man-centered. The Mosaic law is Yahweh's law. Those are, okay. The Mosaic law is Yahweh's law. Amen. It's his word. I thought y'all have been trained by now. You should, you should know what amen statements are. <laughs> Any, I, anything that highlights Jesus and anything that highlights Yahweh, that's an amen statement. Okay. Okay. That's, that's the cue. In Isaiah 55, the Lord God says, as the rain and snow comes down from heaven and do not return there, but waters the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that comes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish the purpose for which I sent it and succeed in the purpose in which I sent it. So the Mosaic law is that it is that God's word. And so in light of that truth, we have to understand that ancient Israel, it receives from Yahweh Elohim through Moses guidelines, rules, and instructions on how to have a just society. When you read through the Pentateuch, it's God showing them how to have a just society, how to worship me, how to get along with one another. And within the Mosaic law is a law of retaliation. There is a, a lex teleonis without partiality in the Mosaic law. Exodus 21, verses 23 to 25 says, But if there is harm, you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, 
foot for foot, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Leviticus 24 says, whoever takes a human life shall be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make good life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor, neighbor, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. <clears throat> See, the biblical Lex Telionis is about just retribution. Just retribution. That is not adjustable depending upon your social status or gender. It means only one eye for eye. Only one tooth for tooth. Only one hand for hand. Only one burn for burn. The law intends to restrict and place limits on what victims are allowed to do in retaliation. It intends for wrongdoers and criminals not to be overpunished or overcriminalized. <coughs> As one Christian says, it teaches that punishment must be proportional to the crime and suited to it. That's what it teaches. And just and just retribution does not justify personal revenge, vengeance, and retaliation. People are not to take the law into their own hands by being a vigilante. Sorry, saints, you can't be Batman or Batwoman or Batkids, whatever you want to be. Now, each of you should be asking yourselves a few questions now. Who gets to administer this law? A just retribution. Who gets to make sure the law is applied equally and justly regardless of social status and gender? Who ensures that, 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 that justice is equal for all? Who, who does that in Israel? The, the, uh, the biblical lex teleonis is, is legislative. And, you, and what does that mean? It means it's supposed to be exercised in a court of law. The judges in Israel administered the law of just retribution. They restrict and limited it. They ensured the punishment would fix the crime. They try to prevent citizens from taking the law into their own hands. And this is what God tells them in Deuteronomy 16. He said, you should appoint judges and officers in your, in your towns that the Lord your God is giving you according to your tribe. They shall judge people with righteous judgment. You shall not prevent justice. You shall not show partiality. You shall not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and it subverts the cause of righteousness. Justice and only justice shall you follow, that you may live and inherit the land the Lord your God is giving to you. It's not to be done personally. It's to be done in the law court. So the Old Testament teaching on this uh, on just retribution seems to be clear. But throughout the centuries, the law has been misunderstood, misinterpreted, and misapplied. The original intent of this law seems to have been lost during the time of Christ. And that's Jesus' issue. And that is what he corrects. He calls attention to this law in verse 38 by connecting it with a familiar phrase. You know the phrase. You have heard that it was said. That is him getting ready to talk, to jump into how culture and history has misinterpreted this law of just retribution. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He's not correcting the Old Testament. He's correcting them and how they have used this law. For people are enforcing just retribution in their private lives. 
in their relationships with other people. It's become personal. And as one theologian said, the scribes and the Pharisees have extended this principle from the law of courts where it belongs to the realm of personal relationships where it does not belong. What about you? Are you applying an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth in your dealings with other people, in your relationships? Are you privately seeking just retribution against people who sinned against you, against a neighbor, against a co-worker, against a family member, against your parents? Where are you? Are you getting ready to embark on a journey of revenge? And if you do, don't forget your shovel because you got to dig two graves. TVC Saints, there are going to be times in your life when you're tempted to take the law into your own hands. You will be tempted to get even. It might be because the justice system fails you. It might be because the damage and, and crime is too much to bear. It might be because you feel betrayed by someone you trusted. And if we're honest with ourselves, each of us will admit on some level, we enjoy vigilante justice. We like it. We like to see people get, get, get what's coming to them. We like to see people get called out on social media. Definitely those who are on the other side of the aisle, who are not on our team. But Jesus hasn't called his disciples to be vigilantes. He hasn't given us a spirit of revenge and retaliation and vengeance. Watch how Christians behave in the election next year. There's going to be more of this than godliness. Watch. You ain't got to say nothing. Just watch them. Watch how some of your brothers and sisters behave. They're going to behave like pagans. And it does not honor Christ. If you have a saving faith in Jesus today, then you got to know something about yourself. You are a person who doesn't receive from God what you deserve. Know that about yourself. So anytime you start talking about who deserves what and who, who, need, who needs to get what, just know what God is saying. This person don't even know, understand what they got. You're standing with me. You don't deserve. But you're standing before me. Because if I judge you the way you judge other people, oh, 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 you ain't going to like it. You won't like it. He gives y'all forgiveness that's not deserved. Grace does not deserve. Favor does not deserve. Mercy does not deserve. What we deserve is wrath and judgment because of our sin. And if he gave us to that, he would be justified in doing so. Think about this. The less teleonis for our sin against God is the shedding of blood. That punishment fits the crime. Because that's what sin deserves. The shedding of blood. Life. Hebrews 9.22 says, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Not my word, God's word. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You see, God the Father, the righteous judge, he applied Lex Telionis to Jesus on the cross as your substitute. He takes your place. His punishment fits your crime. 
See, for a lot of us, we don't think our sin against God was a crime. Definitely as American Christians, because we think we deserve everything. We think God deserves us to have us on his team. What would God do without our big budgets and big churches? You know what he'll do? He'll do what he's been doing. Still do what he's been doing. And by the shedding of Jesus' blood, there's forgiveness for those who come to him and say in faith. And none of that is deserved. None of it is. It's grace. It's mercy. And if you know Jesus in saving faith this morning, then he desires for you to resist embarking on a journey of revenge, of retaliation, and vengeance, and getting even. Why does, he want you, why does he want you to do that? Because of who you are in him. That's why. Because God doesn't do that to you. Then how can you say you have the right to do it to others? How can we? Again, do you believe that? Do you believe that? In verse 29, Jesus says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Don't oppose the person who does you wrong. Don't take the law into your own hands. Don't apply an eye for an eye in your personal lives and relationships. Resist the temptation to get even. Take a stand against personal vengeance and retaliation and vengeance. Have a resistance. And that requires you got to have some self-awareness about yourself. Kids, adults, all of us. Self-awareness. That the desire to get even is in all of us. Only thing people got to do is poke the right button. Push that right button and you'll go all in on them. Know that about yourself. Because what Christ is calling us to, it requires a change of heart. It starts right here in our heart. And from our heart, it leads to an action. One professor says, Christ speaks to the, the, the heart matter. Don't be vengeful or vigilante or self-justified distributor of justice. Christians are not instruments of God's wrath for testimonies of his grace. He doesn't need us for that. That's all we are. We're testimonies of grace, not instruments of his judgment. There's something else we have to understand when you read these words from Christ. He's not telling y'all to turn a blind eye to injustice, to crime, and to evil. He's not saying let evil go unchecked and unrestrained. He's not telling y'all to become doormats. If that's what's the case, he would be correct in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament law is filled with laws that were meant to restrain evil and sin. It's, it, the law, there are laws in the Old Testament that's meant to keep public order. Jesus is dealing with private retaliation. It's us taking things into our own hands and feeling justified in doing so. That's what he's talking about. To resist the one who is evil means this. Do not repay evil with evil. And that's hard to do depending on how people wronged you. Do not repay evil with evil. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Notice, notice that last phrase there. Don't be overcome by evil because you can. Do you realize that it can overtake your life? And the only way you can overcome it with good is that the Holy Spirit has been moving in you in such a way that you can let go of things. Good here doesn't mean you don't seek for justice legally. It means you don't seek for justice through personal vengeance. You don't throw into your own hands. Resistance against using the eye for an eye in your own relationships and your dealings with people. Jesus wants us to respond differently. And he gives four illustrations that he to illustrate his point. And these illustrations cannot be taken literally. Please know that. They're illustrations. Another theologian says, a literal reading of these verses cannot give us the wisdom needed for decision-making in all, in, in all kinds of real-life situations that do indeed require the resistance of evil. So how should we look at these illustrations? They're practical principles that must be worked out in your life through wisdom. You need wisdom. The first principle is a resistance from pursuing personal revenge when someone insults you. This insult may come through words or deed. And Christ illustrates this with a vivid picture. He says in verse 39b, if anyone slaps you on the cheek, turn to the other also. Amen? <laughs> yeah. This slap is like a backhanded blow on the cheek. And a backhanded slap like that is an insult to your pride, to your feelings, to your reputation, to your honor, to your womanhood, to your manhood. And so Christ is saying when someone insults you like this, he says, take up your cross and don't insult them back. Don't insult them back. Again, saints, that is hard to do in your own strength. So when someone insults me, I want to insult them back. Right? Right? Amen. Come on now. Now I'm starting to get hot. Maybe I sweat this cold out now. The second principle is a resistance. No, that didn't go well. Just a moment here. Oh, Lord. All right. The second principle is a resistance to to seek retaliation when someone violates your rights. Americans love nothing more than their rights. I mean, we will die on a hill for our rights. We love our rights. And the politicians know that. That's a side joke. In verse 40, he says, if anyone will sue you for your tunic, let him take your cloak as well. We have a picture here of an illustration of someone being sued, either justly or unjustly. And in, in this culture, a tunic was, a, was an inner garment in Jesus' time, and the cloak was an outer garment. In the Jewish law, a person could be sued for the inner garment, but not the outer garment, because the outer garment they were used for a blanket if they were um, poor. <coughs> but Jesus is saying, let him take the inner garment and the outer garment. What? What does that mean? Is Christ saying I need to give away all my clothes? Is he saying I must just let people take everything I have? 
No, you cannot take these literally. They're principles that require wisdom. He is saying sometimes someone is going to unjustly criticize you. And what are you going to do when it happens? What are you going to do when someone tries to destroy your name and reputation? What are you going to do when it happens? And they may even use the law courts to do that. What Jesus is saying is, don't return evil for evil. <coughs> don't return evil for evil. When someone falsely accuses you, when a boss at work criticizes you unjustly, don't return evil for evil. Again, you should be asking yourself, do I really believe this? Do I really believe this? Is this even, even a possible way to live? The third principle is a resistance from pursuing personal revenge when you believe someone is using you and taking advantage of you. Christ illustrates this with two more illustrations. He says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to the one who begs from you. From you. Do not refuse the person who will borrow from you. This first illustration, it, it alludes to a common practice in Jesus' time that under Roman law, a Roman soldier had the right to force people to assist them, to carry their equipment for a thousand paces, like when Simon was forced to carry Jesus' cross. So you can imagine in Jesus' time when a Roman soldier, who was your enemy, forces you to carry their weapons. It was humiliation, and they used that. And Christ is saying, don't go one mile with them, go two miles. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Then he gives another illustration of if someone begs of you, don't refuse it. Give it to them. The whole point of these principles, saints, is that at some point in your life, people are going to take advantage of you. And when that happens, how are you going to respond? Are you going to want to get even? Are you going to repay evil for evil? Or will you operate differently? A co-worker may take credit for something you did. How are you going to respond? A friend may ask you to come help me move furniture out of the house, and they sit on the couch and don't do anything. You do all the work. How are you going to respond? Christ says, don't seek revenge. Don't seek retaliation. You know what? Go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. He says, I want you to have a, 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 a generous heart partner with Wisdom and compassion and boundaries. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse to give to the one who will borrow from you. When you do that, people may con you. People may take advantage of you, of your generosity. You say, but when that happens, are you going to have a cold heart in return? Because, listen, family members call, want the loan. What are you going to do? Friends may call, want the loan. What are you going to do? Church members they call, wanting the loan. How are you going to respond? Christ is saying, give to the one who asks of you. Give generously. You hear these words, and even as I was writing the sermon, I'm asking myself, how can anyone live this way? <laughs> is it even possible to live this way? Like, Jesus is calling me to do something that's impossible. I don't want to turn the other cheek. Do you want to turn the other cheek? Be honest. No. 
you want to insult them back. You 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 you, you want to see people get what they deserve when they sin against you. It's in all of us. And so you say to Jesus, I'm done. I can't do this. It is hard. And that is honest. And Christ says to you, blessed are the poor spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because the way of Jesus is kind of culture. It's kind of culture to, to American culture. It's kind of culture to probably things we learn in our families. And Christ says to you, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meat, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. He shows us a different way to be in the world. He's showing you a different way in which you can flourish. Because many of us think if the American dream will allow me to flourish, it may. But it won't get you to heaven. It won't get you to the pearly gates. And again, Christ says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Resisting retaliation and revenge and vengeance is you being salt and light in the world. Is you being the light of the world, operating differently. He says, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works. See you turning the other cheek to those who insult you. See you not doing wrong towards those who wrong you. Seeing you go the extra mile for those who, who use you. See you continuing to have a generous heart, though people have conned you many times. Let them see this good work and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When you live in this way, it's you being an example to others of Christ. For many people, you'll be the only Jesus they see by the way that you live, by the way that we function. By the way that we do church, by the way that we are a family. So even within this body, there's going to be times when I'll probably offend you. I may say something from from the pulpit that may hurt you. And when that happens, you may be tempted to have parking lot conversations about me. And I say, resist that. There's going to be times when you sin against one another. And it's going to happen. You're going to hurt one another. You're going to wrong one another. When that happens... You have to resist the desire to get even. Because you cannot bring a bunch of sin of uh, broken people together and we never get on each other's nerves. And we have to resist the things that can that pull us apart. As we say, if we're really broken people coming together, then we need to be honest about our brokenness and do things in a way that draws us closer together. For the things that, that Jesus is talking about here, it's not just how you function out in the world. We can function in church this way. And if we do, we give the enemy a footstool within our body. All he needs is an inch. So, beloved, we can let our light shine also by the way in which we deal with one another. Can we deal with one another with grace 
with love, with charity. In God's spirit, I think we can do that. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we <clears throat> and as we go back out into our lives, our jobs, our families, our circumstances, our struggles, the things that we deal with, I pray that we will go out um, knowing that we don't have to function as the world functions. We don't have to return evil for evil, even though that it may be a temptation to do so. We can respond differently because of who we are in Christ. So, Holy Spirit, give us um, your power, your boldness, your courage to help us respond differently when those temptations and those desires come inside of us because they will. I pray blessings over us. pray blessings over this church. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen.